Let us pray. Gracious God, gracious God, may your word be open for us this day in the reading and proclamation of your scriptures. Open hearts and minds, willing spirits to respond, lives that are ready to be empowered and perhaps even transformed by the vision of your justice and of your peace. In Christ we pray. Amen. I want to share with you this morning from Matthew's Gospel in the 13th chapter, um, the continuing stories of uh, Jesus' ministry in the region uh, from which he came, uh, Galilee, um, and uh, the events that have taken place um, that marked the the hall, that were the hallmark of his uh, preaching and teaching and loving. We are disciples of Jesus. We are inspired by his teaching, and we are loved by his healing presence, and we are empowered and saved by his gracious love in cross, crucifixion, and resurrection. Um, these events unfolding in chapter 13 are a clear indication of two interests uh, that Jesus had. Um, one, to make the faith in God immediately available to everyday people, folks just like you and me. And secondly, to offer an alternative vision of God's rule in the world, as opposed to the rule of Rome, or in this case, Herod Antipas, who was a, a client governor of a king of, of the Romans, um, who you know just was terrible to people. And the chapter begins with the story of uh, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin who had baptized him in the River Jordan at the beginning of his ministry, and how Herod had taken the life of John the Baptist in just a terrible way. And then it tells the story about Jesus going aside to a quiet place. He wanted to go to a quiet place, but the people were so taken with him, they followed him. And there he fed 5,000 men, women, and children uh, with five loaves of bread and two fish. Uh, one, one lunch pail provided a dinner for over 5,000 people. That people receive what they need, not because they have earned it, not because they deserve it, uh, but because God loves them. This is a very different way of thinking about the world, that God wants everybody to have what they need, not exclude them um, from what they need because of the circumstances of their life. He also wants a system of a different, different kind of uh, government, a different way in which the world is ordered. Um, and so let's pick up in uh, chapter 13, um, in verse <clears throat> 21. The uh, passage begins with one of the favorite words of uh, another gospel writer, Mark, um, immediately. Mark uses immediately a lot, and I think uh, Matthew picks that up here in this passage, um, this, this sense of Jesus didn't waste any time. 
Now, when something happened, he responded. He wasn't uh, waiting around. He was uh, active. He responded immediately to the needs of people. And so the, uh, the passage begins immediately after he had fed 5, 000, over 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, having lifted them up and gave thanks to God. He blessed them. He broke them. He gave it to them, just like in communion. Blessed, broke, gave. So immediately after that happened, Jesus told the disciples to get into a boat. They were on the side of Galilee, this Lake of Galilee, to go into a boat and go on ahead to the other side. In the ancient days, if you had to go around a lake or a sea, um, the easiest way to get to the other side was to sail across, because otherwise you had to walk all the way around. So it was a shorter and a quicker trip. So he tells them to get into a boat and go uh, to the other side. Well, he stayed and dismissed the crowd of over 5,000 people. Now, after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. This is a very important image of Jesus in the midst of everything that's going on in his life here and so many other places in the Gospels. Jesus is responding even in the midst of busyness. It's never so busy that you shouldn't take time to pray. You may have heard uh, the story of the elderly sister of uh, the Sisters of Mercy in the Roman Catholic Church, who said that uh, when she took an hour every day for prayer, and except when it was it was very busy day, she took two hours for prayer. It's not that she left prayer go; she took two hours because it was a busy day. He went up to a mountain uh, by himself. To pray. When evening came, Jesus was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by waves, was far from land, for the wind was against the disciples. And early in the morning, Jesus came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were, what, glad, happy, relieved? Oh, Jesus is coming to help us. No. When they saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified because they thought, they said, oh, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said take heart take heart it is I do not be afraid Peter answered Lord if it is you command me to come to you on the water and Jesus said come 
So Peter got out of the boat. and started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. Wow, wow. Peter goes over the gunnel, climbs over the side of the boat and starts walking on the water. But as he came toward Jesus, Peter noticed the strong wind, and so he became frightened and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me! And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught Peter, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? But when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. So when they see Jesus coming across the water, they do not recognize him. They think he is a ghost. They do not expect him be able to walk on the water. They've just experienced him feeding 5,000 people and more uh, with five loaves and two fish, but to them, walking on the water, that, that was a step too far, as it were. Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray. In uh, the mind of Jesus and in the uh, Hebraic mind, the uh, culture of Judaism, mountains were places of certainty and they were a place where heaven and heaven and earth almost met. It was a place to commune, to be in touch with God. We see this all the time, of course. Moses at Sinai, Jesus on the on uh, the teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, all the places with Jesus, the Mount of Calvary, where he would be crucified. Mountains are places of wondrous love and revelation of knowing and understanding. But the sea, the water, is a place of uncertainty, not really knowing what's going on. How deep is that water anyway? And what will happen when the waves come up and threaten to overtake us like the disciples in the boat? Water is always understood within uh, the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, to be a place of uncertainty and of danger. But Jesus doesn't just go up in the mountain to pray. Jesus is even Lord of the water. The reign of God will come not just in the places where we expect it, but also in the places where we think God's power is limited. God's will shall be done. And so Peter climbs over the gunnel and proceeds to Jesus. You have to love Peter. He never hangs back. He's always the first one out there. Who do the people say that I am? Jesus will say to him at Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus says, well, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And it is Peter who will go running to the tomb on the day of resurrection. It is Peter who this time, while the other disciples, the 11, are hanging back, still uncertain, says, hey, Jesus says, come, I'm going. But notice what happens. It takes courage to get out of the boat. 
but his courage is undone when he begins to look at the water and the waves. What am I doing out here? He said, ay, 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 and he begins to sink. Help me, Lord. Save me, Jesus. And Jesus reaches out his hand and pulls him up. You know, how did Jesus respond to Peter? What was his tone of voice? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, there's so many different ways you can say that. Oh, 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 you of little faith, why did you doubt? Scolding, angry, belittling, dehumanizing, reducing, embarrassing, Peter. I don't think so. I don't think that was the tone of voice. Or how, did he say it like, oh, 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 you with little faith. <laughs> Why did you doubt? Oh, it's like a big joke. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little, it's a, it's a trick. No, it's not a trick. It's a different way of seeing the world and thinking about God. I think Jesus responded more like this. Oh, you a little faith, come on. Why did you doubt? Hang on. And he reaches up and he pulls him in. Jesus doesn't let him sink. He doesn't say, well, that one's no good. Go to the bottom with you. He picks him up. He pulls Peter up. In just a few chapters, in chapter 17, Jesus will say, if your faith is so small, like a mustard seed, the smallest of all the grains. If you plant it, it will become a bush that is so large it will hold the nests of the birds. It's not that Peter's faith is too small. It's that he loses his focus on the greater reality of the presence of Jesus. He becomes overwhelmed with the fear brought on by the waves. It takes courage uh, to be a disciple of Jesus. When we talk about being disciples, sometimes we can feel like, oh, well, it's easy. You know, Jesus says, go here, you go there. Jesus says, follow me here, you go there. But no, it's, it's a choice, and it takes courage uh, to follow Jesus. And sometimes we may lose our courage. Courage is a matter of faith, right? Courage isn't because, courage takes place because you are afraid and still you try, still you do. You're not immobilized uh, by the fear. That's courage. And so it takes real courage for Peter to climb over the gunnel. Never forget that. And it takes real love for Jesus to lift us up when our courage fails us and we forget who we are following and who we are serving and the reality of God's abiding presence. There's so much in our lives right now, right? The world is topsy-turvy, doesn't begin to express it. So many people have said 2020 feels like it's already lasted a decade. It's not even eight months. And I have to say, in the next few months, I think it's going to become even wilder than it's already been. So in these times that call for courage and faith, we have to remember that as little as we may feel or as adequate we may understand ourselves to be, 
It is God who is calling us. It is Jesus who is our constant companion. It is Jesus who is our guide. It is Jesus who is our teacher and Lord and lover and savior of our humble human souls. And as disciples, we can follow him knowing that we're never left alone to our own devices. If it depended on us, then it would be right. Woe is me. Woe is us. But it doesn't depend on us. Because God, the love of Jesus, the courage. If anybody wants to find courage, understand what courage is. Find a uh, preeminent, the preeminent example of courage to know what was coming and still pro proceed to the passion at the end of his life and the pernicious, mendacious manner of his death. That's courage, baby. And he gets that courage by asking God, praying to God, not my will, but your will be done. I'm so grateful for you, for your presence in our congregation. Uh, for the courage that we give to each other. We find courage by hanging together, don't we? Um, sometimes it takes one of us to step out, to step over the gunnel, to show the rest of us that we can do that as well. But it's in community that our courage is nourished because it's in community that our faith and trust in God is enhanced and made fully alive. So peace, Jesus says, be with you. Peace and trust come. Amen.